With rising food and fuel prices, record high interest rates, and increased debt burdens, South Africans are grappling with a cost of living crisis, making saving difficult for many households. I am Ingrid Booth from the Investec Focus Radio team, and in today's podcast, brought to you by Investec Personal Cash Investments, we talk to our chief economist, Annabelle Bishop, about whether there will be any financial respite for South Africans in 2024. Annabelle, welcome back to Investec Focus Radio. Let's get straight into it with news that the South African Reserve Bank has kept rates unchanged for the ninth month in a row. What's behind the decision? Yes, hi. Look, I think it's um, good news for consumers that we've ended the interest rate hike cycle for those who are heavily indebted. Unfortunately for savers, it does mean that the next move coming from the South African Reserve Bank is likely to be a cut. And of course, you know, the South African Reserve Bank's primary focus when it looks at changing interest rates is really to see what the impact is going to be on inflation and, of course, what the inflation outlook is. So to answer your question, you know, what's behind their decision is essentially the fact that they're not comfortable yet that inflation is at the midpoint of the target range, which, of course, it isn't. It's at 5% and not 4.5%. But really what they're saying is in the period that they look out to from an inflation targeting framework period. So that's a six to 12 month period looking forwards. Of course, we also found that they do show some concern really over the um, 24 uh, month period. So I think that for the South African Reserve Bank, their forecast for inflation this year averaging 5% means that it's too early to cut interest rates. As we move through the year, we know we get to the March Monetary Policy Committee meeting. We'll then have another one in May. May and of course another one in July. They'll keep reassessing at every meeting what the inflation outcomes are, if there've been any price shocks. And of course, you know, that's always an interesting phenomena. If you suddenly have much lower food price inflation than you thought you were going to have, and indeed that has been a bit of a trend in the last couple of months, you and, you know, feeding over from the international price trend, which has um, seen agricultural commodity prices collapse over almost an 18-month period, you know, that for the South African Reserve Bank could be an indicator which changes the inflation outlook. In that tough environment, they then may decide to quicken the period in which they you know, may cut interest rates. But at the moment, you know, they're really poor portraying the message that inflation is not at the midpoint of the target range. It's not going to be there in the foreseeable future. And of course, you know, they have concerns that they need to see it average sustainably around that level. So there's no guarantee inflation is going to continue to fall for the remainder of this year. Therefore, they left interest rates unchanged. And Annabelle, what is your forecast for inflation? And when do you think that interest rates could start coming down? So we're actually quite a bit more confident than the South African Reserve Bank for a number of reasons. And we actually think that inflation will average 4.5% this year and not 5%. Now, of course, we're talking here today about consumer price inflation, which is really the cost of living for South Africans. And it measures the rate of change in prices from one year to the next. If the latest print in inflation, which we had for December, came out at 5.2%, it means that an average basket of items that consumers buy each month, whether it's food or electricity services or any number of goods and services, their prices have increased by 5.2% year on year. So as I said, our inflation for the full year is an average of 4.5%. Next year, similar, if not slightly lower. You may say, why is our average lower than that of the South African Reserve Bank? Interestingly, the South African Reserve Bank both creates their own inflation forecast and makes the interest rate decisions on the back of that inflation forecast. So as you can see, if they don't want to change interest rates, then they wouldn't really be putting through an inflation forecast of very low inflation. They'd actually need to 
to put through an inflation forecast of higher inflation. So they have an average, consequently, of 5% this year. But of course, you know, jokes aside, that actually is a little bit more to it than that as well. They also look at the factors which go into forming inflation. They are more negative on food price inflation than we have. I think that we have seen that the El Nino effect has really not been as severe as was really the prevailing concern last year for South Africa for 2024. What this means is El Nino is a weather phenomena, which means more dry conditions than normal. Whereas your La Nina is a weather phenomena, which means wetter conditions compared to normal. So if we're in an El Nino for South Africa, you would think that we would be having droughts and therefore we would probably have higher as opposed to lower inflation in the year. The reason why we're discussing that is because food price inflation is the biggest single component of the CPI basket. In fact, it accounts for around 20% and it has a very large impact on the movement in consumer price inflation in South Africa. So, so that's really what we look at. Another large large driver is fuel prices. Both of these, interestingly enough, food prices and fuel prices are affected by international commodity prices. So your oil price internationally is priced in US dollars as are agricultural commodity prices. For South Africa, while we do produce food, but we don't produce oil, we do see that because of important export parity pricing, our agricultural goods are priced on US dollar-based international commodities. That really means that the exchange rate also has a significant effect as well. So you can see see three factors which are big drivers for inflation, different assumptions that go into different inflation forecasts. And of course, as a consequence of that, we obviously see different forecasts coming out with different figures. However, the wet conditions we've had so far for 2024 in our key summer crop growing period really do foretell a good year. We're likely to see strong harvests, bumper harvests in some areas. It also replenishes the soil moisture content, but already we have very high soil moisture content for many years of La Nina phenomena. This is also very positive for cattle production and, of course, all types of meat production. So overall, combined with falling international food prices, both on the year and the month, good weather conditions in South Africa and other good conditions as well for the agricultural sector, we obviously do think that we could have a moderation in food price inflation, which takes inflation lower than the Reserve Bank is possibly concerned about. So Annabelle, you're looking at it at lower food price inflation and fuel price inflation for the rest of the year. When do you think we could start seeing some reprieve at the pumps when it comes to fuel prices? So interestingly, the thing about fuel prices is that the global oil price, whether it's Brent crude or WTI, but particularly for Brent crude, is really driven by international market conditions to some degree. But in, for Brent crude, it's also driven by OPEC Plus as well. OPEC is an organization of oil producers and exporting nations, essentially. And what that really means is that they're a cartel. They set the prices together. They actually get together and decide, well, the oil price looks a bit low. We're going to limit production. And as a consequence of reducing the supply, the price is then going to rise. So that's actually been a phenomenon really over the past several decades. If you look back you know, 20, 30 years ago, the average oil price is much lower than it is now. And that's because it's artificially supported by OPEC+. Plus. So the worry there is that for these oil-producing nations, with climate change and their move to renewable energy, and of course the necessary move away from fossil fuels, they're looking at a long-term negative impact on their key revenue production for their countries. So as a consequence of that, there's a lot of impact in terms of worry over their future sustainability for commodity exporters in the energy areas. And of course, they are likely pushing up prices now to try and make as much money as they can before the restrictions come in on 
fossil fuels. Interestingly as well with carbon taxes, a way of reducing fossil fuel consumption to try and mitigate the impacts of climate change and move towards green technologies has obviously been to increase taxes on carbon. And of course, you know, that for fossil fuels means that typically there would be tax increases on that. I think OPEC plus obviously looks at and thinks, well, we'll take that instead. We'll push those prices up substantially. And of course, that does have some negative effect on demand. Let's not forget as well that 2024 is expected to see some moderation in global growth. Although, of course, the IMF's just come out recently with their world economic outlook saying they're not even expecting to see much moderation. Luckily, the talk of recession really does seem to finally be over. As you know, last year and this year, we did not expect to see a global recession. And of course, you know that that's really what's coming through. So good news on the global growth outlook front. And even for South Africa, a stronger year likely this year than last year. Lower inflation likely as well. And of course, lower interest rates. Annabelle, talking about the IMF, so they have decreased their expectation for growth in South Africa. What impact will that have on what we have just been discussing? Interestingly, the IMF is now exactly aligned to us. <laughs> they also have 1% for 2024. So let's let, let's look at Investec's forecasts first. For 2023, we had a forecast of 0.5% for GDP growth. We maintain that forecast. And for 2024, as I said, we have 1%. What that really means is that the growth rate in 2024 is likely to be double that of 2023. So, so as a consequence of this improvement in the economic outlook, you know, it does look like South Africans are going to see a slightly better 2024. For the IMF, however, they had a forecast, you know, closer to 2%. And that really was too optimistic. We have seen very severe load shedding in South Africa last year. In fact, the worst year we've ever had. And of course, we're talking about constraints in electricity supply. We've also, of course, seen constraints at the ports and on the rail system as well. So all of these factors have had a negative impact on economic growth last year, hence the 0.5% economic outturn we're anticipating. And for this year as well, we're not seeing an end to load shedding. In fact, the latest government report on South Africa's integrated resource plan for 2023 it looks at energy in South Africa. They're indicating that load shedding could be with us right through to 2027, if not 2030. Sadly, this does take off from the economic growth outlook. It's what moderated the IMF's forecast, as does the infrastructure constraints as well around the freight industry. We will continue this conversation shortly, but I wanted to remind you that we regularly delve into the impact of macroeconomic issues on our flagship show, No Ordinary Wednesday, and our popular new podcast series, Macro Monday. To ensure you don't miss out, follow Investec Focus Radio on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. So Annabelle, some glimmers of hope on the horizon for South Africans. For many of us, it's been a case of more month than money over the past year. What are your expectations for average salaries in 2024? Well, you know, Ingrid, sadly, if we have a look at the data, we've really seen that over the past three years, we've actually seen that real salaries have been falling. What that means is that salary and wage increases have not typically kept pace with inflation. You know, last year, inflation averaged closer to 6% for the year. People who get less than a 6% salary and wage increase would not be keeping pace with inflation. It means that in real terms, or, you know, if you look at your salary adjusted for inflation, you can buy less with what you get. 
So that, of course, has been a worry, even for individuals when they look at their living costs, which might be different from an inflation perspective to the average South African inflation rate could be higher. That is an even worse outcome as well. So salaries and wages have unfortunately meant that consumers have been able to buy less each year from a real perspective. And that has been a huge contributor to slowing economic growth. In other words, it's not only load shedding and problems at Transnet that have weakened South Africa's activity growth rate over the past few years. But of course, it is also the fact as well that there has really been significant reduction in real salaries and wages, which unfortunately is likely to be the case in 2024 as well. Why is this? Partly because we obviously see that companies also have to cope with the higher costs of load shedding, with the higher costs of the freight restrictions and a number of other factors as well. In fact, we also you know, tend to forget that in a slow economic growth environment, that also places additional pressure on corporate profitability as well. So all of those factors have really seen a negative impact come through on salary and wages. We've had high unemployment in South Africa, of course, as well, combined with high interest rates and high inflation. Although luckily now, of course, inflation is on a downward trend and interest rates are expected to drop lower. Annabelle, of course, the budget speech coming up on the 21st of Feb. What is on your radar? What do consumers need to look out for? So the budget speech obviously is eagerly anticipated every year or perhaps dreaded because people worry very much about tax increases. The good news is that we're unlikely to see any changes in income tax or indeed even in VAT. And while government is spending more than it's collecting in revenue, I don't think we are surprised that government collected less revenue last year than it planned to do so because of the fact that economic growth was so weak. But nevertheless, the revenue underrun means that the budget deficit widens. So what we saw in the medium-term budget policy statement last year on the 1st of November was an update to the government finance projections, both the weakening of the fiscal deficit, which is just the mismatch in terms of expenditure and revenue, and that widened because there was less revenue and expenditure didn't get pulled in enough, and of course as well an increase in borrowings. And that really brings us to the point. What we're likely to see in the budget is a maintenance of the projections that we saw in the mini-budget, the MTBPS, in November last year. So there we we saw borrowings increase and we saw the fiscal deficit widen. Those figures obviously are likely to be repeated in this budget. The first three quarters of the current fiscal year indicate to us that we're on track to see revenue under collection overspending and a widening of the budget deficit. So unfortunately, those substantial upward revision in borrowings with um, debt now expected to average around 75% of GDP over the next three years. And unfortunately, even out to the 29-30 period, gross loan borrowings do not drop below 70% of GDP. Whereas previously, last year in February's budget of 2023, we did see the projection for gross loan borrowings drop towards 60% by 2030. So, of course, that has had a negative effect on South Africa's bond yields, which means that it's increased the long-term borrowing costs. Yields are higher. In fact, if you look at bond yields amongst the emerging countries group, you actually see that South Africa is amongst the fifth worst, really near Lebanon, Russia, and you know other countries that obviously have poor credit ratings. So, all of these factors really do imply that government doesn't have space to reduce its borrowing trajectory. It's not looking to 
increase revenue by increasing taxes. It's not looking to cut back expenditure in an election year. It's instead going with more borrowings. And of course, that has had a negative impact on yields and also, of course, on market sentiments, reducing market confidence in government's ability to achieve fiscal consolidation. Annabelle, this podcast is brought to you by Investec Personal Cash Investments. So I'd like to focus on the state of savings in South Africa, if I may. You know, South Africa's savings rate is one of the worst in the world. What impact does that have on our economy? Interestingly, in South Africa, and I'm sure, you know, we've gathered by now, government is a dissaver. <laughs> it um, borrows money. Uh, doesn't run a budget surplus. And of course, that means that it's a big borrower. It's not a saver. For the corporate sector in South Africa, corporates are big savers. So luckily, we have a large saving capacity on the one hand. And in fact, the vast majority of South African government bonds, which is their method of borrowing, are actually bought in South Africa. So that's how they're absorbed, um, corporate savings. Uh, for households, household savings are flattish. Sometimes they dip into the negative territory. Sometimes they slightly inch into a positive territory. In general, and here we're looking really at a macroeconomic basis, South Africans are not big savers. Obviously, as you move into higher income brackets and you obviously get into a much smaller section of the population there, you do see some increase in savings. But really, over the past few years, we've also seen a significant increase because of COVID and other related factors in household financial vulnerability. Higher interest rates obviously being one of those other factors I mentioned. And all of those factors do increase costs. They increase the cost of servicing debt. They obviously have high interest rates that come about as a consequence of higher inflation, which has also eaten into salaries and wages and had a negative impact on ability to save for consumers. Looking forwards with an easing interest rate environment and an easing inflation environment with a strengthening economic growth and hopefully with an improvement in government policies and infrastructure rebuilding to repair some of the fundamental problems in the South African economy and the electricity and freight side, for example. Longer term, over the next five-year period, we should start to see a greater improvement, but we really need to see economic growth running at about 5 to 6% to make a substantial dent in unemployment in South Africa and bring it back down towards the 20% mark, which it was in the 2000s, having dropped from above 30%. Obviously, continued stronger growth would see unemployment drop further, more people coming into the employment net, and that in turn would improve savings as well in South Africa. Annabelle, thank you so much for sharing your insights with us. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me on the show. If you enjoyed this conversation, please follow Investec Focus Radio SA wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more about savings, search for our November podcast on teaching kids to save, as well as our most popular episode from July last year entitled When to Save and When to Invest. The views expressed are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily represent the views of the firm and should not be taken as advice or recommendations. Investec Limited and subsidiaries, authorized financial service providers, registered credit providers, and long-term insurer.